just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about the wonderful segment where we talk. And can we? <laughs> we can. Uh, I believe that uh, we are going to spin the wheel to decide who gets to talk, who, who, who can gets to talk. So, Chris, if you would please spin the, the fancy wheel. Yeah, listen to that wheel. All right, who's it going to turn up on? Oh my goodness, it's me. I can tell. I have third dimension viewing. Third dimension. <laughs> third dimension All right. viewing. <laughs> I, I would be more worried if I didn't have third dimension viewing. <laughs> um, so, personally, I want to talk about the thing that I always talk about on crew when people let me talk about the things when I win, can we just talk the wheel? And that means that I'm going to talk about League of Legends, professional League of Legends, um, and more specifically, the upcoming League of Legends World Championships, which I am extremely excited for. They come around once a year. They're starting in just about two weeks. And basically, all of the teams are now locked in for it. Um, basically, the way that it works is that... Uh, Individual regions, I guess I should very briefly explain, League of Legends is a competitive online video game uh, played in teams of five, and there are a lot of leagues around the world that play against each other, like they play within the leagues and the top teams from each of the leagues, depending on you know how good the leagues are, qualify for the world championships. And that means that we have uh, 22 teams headed to the World Championships in Shanghai, which are extremely exciting for me. Uh, personally, I think this is going to be a very interesting World Championships. Uh, there's uh, one, there's a lot of weirdness to this year because usually there is a mid-season international event um, because the way League of Legends works is that it is online, and because it is online, there is latency to the game. Um, and when you are not playing, and the two teams are not playing near each other, there's going to be significant latency. Imagine if you were trying to shoot a pull-up three-pointer, but your arms didn't move for half a second. That would be very difficult, and you would almost certainly get blocked constantly. So they only really can do... Uh, international events in person and because their previous international event was scheduled for I think late April uh, that was cancelled completely so we don't actually have any international events going into the world championships which is really unusual yeah it, it, it's very unusual and it will lead to a bit of a weird um, situation just because the assumption from everyone, which is probably correct, is that the Chinese teams will be at the top. Um, Chinese teams have won the last two world championships. Uh, basically, the last, the, the, the previous five before that were won by Korean teams, but uh, a Korean team has not made the finals of the world championships in the last two years. So the obvious answer is that it will probably be China winning again, um, and possibly Europe, who has. Uh, been the runner-ups in the last two world championships as one of the obvious replace or one of the obvious runner-ups i guess um although 
you have to look at it and say uh, most of the Chinese teams are not actually that experienced internationally. Um, it has helped somewhat that they're playing in Shanghai fairly close to home while a lot of other teams have to travel <laughs> to we get to... We don't all to, have to go uh, to Japan, right? <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the other teams have to travel, but at the same time, it will be... I, I think it's going to be a fairly interesting World Championships um, I, between I that, some of the top Chinese teams. I find it really interesting that an eSports event, which you would think, and maybe I'm uneducated about this, so maybe this is completely wrong, but you would think that would be the one sporting event that you could actually do remotely, right? Yes and no. Um, They have been doing it remotely basically since this has happened. Um, Basically since all of everything shut down, about a week later they were doing everything remotely. But when going across very long distances, like this is within regions themselves. So like, uh, for example, most, most of the North American region, basically every team is located in Los Angeles. Um, like their physical location is Los Angeles. And even if they're a bit outside of there, it's still fairly low latency or at least very comparable latency, um, which latency is, the time it takes to, for your actions to be registered by the server and to go to the game. Um, the latency is fairly low and is fairly comparable to the other teams, so it's not super unfair. Um, but when you're going across the entire world, um, it becomes a lot more difficult and the latency becomes a lot more uh, pronounced. Like I made, I made the example earlier of what if you were trying to make a pull-up jumper, but your arms took half a second to respond. That would be monumentally... <laughs> it would look ridiculous, basically. You would get blocked immediately. You would have basically no opportunity to do anything. And that's why they kind of had to pull back on any international events, because it's so difficult to hold these kinds of events overseas because of the massive latency. Like, it would almost be a farce of a tournament. Um but what they have done now is that they have a bubble in Shanghai that they are going to be playing from. However, this did actually mean that the uh, qualifying teams from Vietnam were not able to attend because Vietnamese laws say that basically if you leave the country, you're not allowed to come back um, for like an indeterminate uh, period of time. So... Yeah, it's kind of sad that the teams are not actually able to play. Um, but yeah, I am super excited. This is th- this is my event of the year. I will probably talk about it as much as I can uh, when you know the games are actually happening. They start in about two weeks. Uh, all the teams have qualified as of yesterday. Um, the final team ended up qualifying from Korea. Um. So yeah, I'm really interested. There will be the... So first there are the play-in rounds, which lead to the real rounds. Um, And the thing about the play-in rounds is that they're all the kind of random regions. Um, There are like the five major regions in uh, League of Legends, which are North America, Europe, China, Taiwan, and Korea. Uh, And then there are like seven other minor regions that are significantly less prestigious and have never... One of them ever has made the knockout round of a world championship. The world championship format is very similar to like the World Cup format, 
where there are a bunch of smaller groups and then they play round robins within their groups. It's a double round robin, but uh, same concept. And then they go to a knockout round, which is basically single elimination. And uh, that's that. That's how it that that's how it happens. <laughs> um, we doing a bracket pool for uh, League of Legends World Championship. Is that like something we could set up? Uh, we can. The The company that runs League of Legends, Riot, has a uh, pick'em thing every year for the group stages and for the uh, main event. And it, it's always just me and my friend doing them against each other. And, of course, I win every year because he barely knows anything and I actually follow the, the sport. But we can absolutely get this set up and I will definitely beat everyone else here. I was gonna Not say to... the only way the only way we can make any kind of informed decision is if we all ask you what the good picks are, but then we would all have the same bracket, thereby defeating <laughs> the purpose of having a bracket pool and everyone would get their yeah, money. Yeah, I, I could just lie to all of you started. and give all of you different lies. That would be very funny, I think. I mean if you consider fraud to be funny, then sure. <laughs> it's it's not fraud, it's just uh, competitive integrity. It's making it more fun. Competitive dribble, dribble, dribble. <laughs> I like that term. Yeah, I, I love the term competitive integrity. I use it all the time. Not just in like ironic situations like this, but I use it all the time for like actual sporting events and such. Upholding but the competitive integrity. <laughs> the, the competitive integrity of our ridiculous <laughs> sham of a uh, pick'em bracket within WRSU. I wonder if KR knows much. I know KR knows a little bit about esports, um, but I don't actually know how much he knows. I just brought it up on Crew once, and he actually seemed to understand what I was talking about, which is very unusual when I bring up esports on Crew. So, yeah, I yeah, I don't know any esports. I'm sorry, Dennis. That's okay. <laughs> I know Do you a lot play, of people or, here or, you, or, or you just watch. Uh, I play League of Legends from time to time. I'm not especially good. <laughs> um, mostly because my hand-eye coordination is very bad. Uh, my reflexes are very bad. Um, which, like, these guys... I, I know they tested it once, and, like, most professional esports players have the reaction speed of fighter pilots. Um, which basically speaks to the, like, a, a lot of the... It's not physical necessarily, but it's the, um, I guess, inherent advantage some people have at these kinds of games. Um, and just I don't have that much time to commit to being very good at uh, these kinds of games. But um, I think they're still fun. Like, I play them. I, I play League of Legends from time to time. I think it's a fun game. But I tend to follow it more on a professional level just because I can... Like, there was a uh, kind of amateur tournament going on today, and I was just watching it while I was doing my homework, and I was like, yeah, this is fun. Um, so that's, I think, some of the the fun of it. And while the actual season is going on, like, we, we've kind of reached the end of the season, like, the playoff. Like, we were post-regional playoffs at this point and into uh, right before World Championships, and... At this kind of point of the year, um, it's uh, or at at this kind of point of the year, there are very few games going on at any given time. But go back to probably like a month ago, and you could basically be watching 
competitive, like at least semi-professional games 24 seven. Um, like there's that much going on around the world that you can probably be doing that. Uh, but do you want to <laughs> is the question is how, how much would you enjoy doing that? Um, but I enjoy doing it. So that's what I do. And I am so excited for the world championships to happen and for North America to be terrible at it as always, because that's 52. Nothing. Yeah, that's exactly true. There is a, um, <laughs> there is a week at, um, the world championships in 2015, where three North American teams won a collective zero and ten, uh, including some very winnable games in there. It was pretty bad, and it became a joke for like years, which is why I remember a thing from 2015 in 2020. Um, even though that was half of League of Legends' lifespan ago, which you know, when you say it like that, like <laughs> you, you say it's half of the span of the sport. Um, it sounds a lot more dramatic than, oh, it was five years ago. Like, ah, uh, yeah, back when, I don't know, LeBron was on the Heat. Like, yeah, that was when League of Legends, the, the 0 and 10 thing happened. But, yeah. I, I just um, saw um, something. Um, sorry to no, cut you, you continue. off. Um, I just no, saw something continue. really interesting on ESPN.com. I don't know if you guys heard about this. This has to do with the Big Ten and with football in particular. So Ryan Day, the coach of Ohio State, uh, released a statement through the school. It was a bit of a bizarre statement, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, basically, he uh, criticized how the conference communicated about uh, the decision to postpone football. Um, he was talking about how he was disappointed by it and all that. And then after you know attacking the Big Ten a bit, he switched gears and said, quote, we still have an opportunity to give our young men what they have worked so hard for, a chance to safely compete for a national championship this fall. The Big Ten Medical Subcommittee has done an excellent job of creating a safe pathway toward returning to play in mid-October. So, I don't know if you Yeah, I'm about... reading this now. I saw it. Yeah, I did get that notification. So, I find phone. this really interesting because, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but a few days ago, the Pac-12 made some news because they were the other Power 5 conference to decide to postpone. And basically, what they said was, you know, once we have daily rapid testing where, you know, you can have a saliva test or something and 15 minutes, you'll know if every person on your team has COVID or not. So they said, once we're able to do that, rather than have a test, it takes two days to come back. Um, then we'll feel comfortable going forward. Well, they say now that they'll be able to have that testing by the end of the month. And then if you add in four mm. or five weeks of, you know, training camp and all that, you could potentially start the season in the Pac-12 in November. So I don't know, unless the Big Ten is trying to get this kind of technology, and unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, I don't know what he's talking about when he says mid-October return. Well, what do you guys make of this? I'll start with you, Dennis. Yeah, I. Uh, th there are a couple different levels that this is kind of interesting to me. I I'm looking at it now as well. Um, obviously, Ohio State was one of the three schools to vote to play in the fall. Um, so it could just be part of that, trying to leverage fan support for playing to try to get games happening as soon as possible rather than 
a bit down the line. Um, Because it does, it it would be interesting if they found a way, and I, I, I might circle back to this, but being able to compete for a national championship this fall, there are interesting ways they can go about doing that. Um, but just on a baseline level, it is, I, I don't know, some of it reads kind of like politicking to me, like trying to uh, set fan expectations to a possibly unreasonable degree just to make them, like, uh, and this is kind of an uncharitable view, I guess. Um, but I would probably be more like it, it, the Big Ten has pretty consistently said, uh, we don't really know when we're going to play. It's probably not going to be very soon. We're floating around a bunch of different options. It would be kind of weird if not a Big Ten not someone associated with the Big Ten itself or even any of the schools that voted to postpone, but the head coach, someone who really has <laughs> no real reason to know about a lot of this stuff, um, of one of the teams that did vote to play, I, I don't know why he would be the one to be announcing a lot of this information. So unless some I, I don't know. It it doesn't read as something that is extremely aspirational, but I could maybe see like, oh, they are going to try to start around the same time as the Pac-12 is. That was very looping, but yeah. Doug, do you have any ideas on this? No, I agree with you. Just because, I mean, obviously, you know, he's the coach, so he is some, he's like an authority figure in that sense, but he's not an authority figure in like terms of, if the season's going to return, obviously there's like an interesting statement, but like until something, you know, like more concrete comes down, I wouldn't think that much of it yet. Like it's basically the same thing you said, but I mean, I guess it is something he, he obviously knows stuff that he, you know, he has inside information, but at the same time, until like an official official statement comes down, I won't get, you know, too excited yet. I think the only way that this could work potentially is if um, you start, say you get like whatever testing technology, whatever you need to play safely. If you have that in place by the end of the month, you can begin camp last week of September, first week of October, uh, do it for four or five weeks, start the first week in November and then play like seven or eight conference games in that two month span and then go right into the playoff. If you're, Ohio State, and maybe you could even push the playoff back a week. I think a minor change like that would probably be somewhat doable just because, you know, like... Given that the playoff has basically a one-week span at this point because they've had it start as early as December 29th and as late as... I think it was as early as December 28th and as late as January 1st, I don't think it's unreasonable to have them push it back a little bit especially considering that they already moved the national championship game to Monday to not conflict with NFL playoffs. Yeah. So yes, continue. I think, no, no, I think if they go on that, assuming they can get that in place by that time and, you know, fingers crossed, they're working on something to get that going. I know Thanksgiving has been another potential target to resume play. I know all indications are that basketball is going to start up around Thanksgiving week. So, could we be in a position where we see basketball start before our football? I think it's possible. But at the same time, if the Big Ten wants to have any hope of 
keeping this together um, and, you know, being able to get a team eligible for potentially the college football playoff and for some other New Year's Six Bowls, they're going to have to figure something out really quick. And I don't know if we're going to be. I mean, yeah, it's the kind of thing where we don't even know what they're doing with the New Year's Six Bowls and with the college football playoff. Like we haven't heard a whole lot on that, right? I don't think the college football playoff has said anything. If we get one more conference to postpone, we could have Army in the playoff. We we sure could. <laughs> give me Army. Give me BYU. You know, just go all in with it. Yeah, that would be fun. Army, BYU, Clemson, Alabama. Those are the four teams. <laughs> Yeah, I was, and and I guess uh, where where I will circle back to where I said I was going to circle back before is if they were to have X number of weeks to do a format that will give them a fairly definitive conference champion and a fairly obvious uh, hierarchy within the conference, how would they do that? Because they don't have nine conference games plus three out-of-conference games anymore. They It, it depends on when they start, obviously. Mid-October would mean they have plenty of time, really. But um, they would have to start camp, like, right now if they did that, or, like, a week yeah. or two from now if they were to yeah, start Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And so it's unlikely that we are going to see that happening. Um and I guess it'll just end up being like how how many weeks do they have? Like if they have, if they end up getting seven weeks, um, they can do and uh, well, can they? Thinking, no, they can't really do that. I- I'm trying to think of whether they could do a uh, like a divisional round robin and then a championship game. Would that be feasible? Um, and I don't know if it even would be. Well, there are seven teams in each division, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking is that you would have a bye week. I don't think that's a bad idea, Dennis. I mean, think about it. You start the first week in November. That would be, hang on, let me get a calendar up here. Uh, I'll I'll pull up my calendar as well. That would be November 7th. Yeah, November 7th. You want to build in two weeks or so in case, you know... You have to cancel or push a game, or you know. You, you have to build in at least one week because uh, every team is going to end up getting a bye week because of uh, seven teams, right? Yes. So you yeah. have that. So you need at least seven weeks. Yeah, you need at least seven weeks. I would say eight, just to give yourself enough room if you're playing six games. You know, hopefully by the time That's you have fair. the testing technology you need to avoid, you know, these massive outbreaks we saw over the summer. Um, so hopefully you wouldn't have to reschedule all that many games, but I'd say if you give yourself two extra weeks in addition to the six games, you could wrap up the season Saturday after Christmas, day after Christmas, actually. So if all you yeah, have to do... Yeah, I was going to say, is, at that point then, like, you'd still want a conference championship, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't even... Oh, uh, I think it depends on how flexible would the college football playoff want to be in that case. If yeah. they're willing to push it back two, three weeks, then I say, yeah, go play a conference title game in Indy. But if, mm-hmm. you know, you decide you'd rather just, you know, whoever has the best record is a conference title, do it like the old days. And, I mean, I couldn't see any team other than Ohio State really contending for that, given the fact that uh, the Eastern Division's more top-heavy. 
and you know Ohio yeah, State's just the best team in the conference. There's really no doubt about it. Penn State and Michigan can, you know, talk all the talk they want, but at the end of the day, it's Ohio's conference to lose. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could go six and zero or five and one or whatever, and then, you know, just it's a shorter schedule, but. If Ohio State's as good as they think they are, as good as a lot of people think they are. I mean, yeah, you can't just say, okay, Ohio State, we know that you're good. Go to the playoff. And be like, like well, I guess it's just a question of how much do we actually have to see from them? Yeah. And what is the chance that they get upset in one of those games and end up not being the best team in the conference empirically, I guess? Yeah. I mean, look, if in a schedule of Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State. Penn State, yeah. If Ohio State can't prove themselves in those six games, and I'm not saying that the division isn't good, but it, that's really all you need to show people, okay, this team is legit. So if they can, yeah. if if you work it out that way, if the Big Ten can figure that out, you know, we could be working with a potentially salvageable late fall, early winter season and still get the college football playoff. You don't have a ton of opt-outs and all that. Look, I guess I'm just looking at, like, uh, how, how, how would you compare, like, a 5-1 and one Ohio State season versus, say, an 11-1 and one LSU season, let's well, say. Well, I think the SEC's only played nine Alabama. games, so it's not as oh, big of well, a disparity. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're, you're actually absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see SEC teams complaining uh, because... Ohio State would come in fresher than they are just because they have less wear and tear of playing only six games in that scenario. But I think that, look, I think that that could work. Like, I think if you can figure out a way to do it safely, and look, I'd rather have a quote-unquote meaningless season with a spring Rose Bowl being like the spring title game. I'd rather live with that than, you know, try to play, if they had tried to play in September and October and it ended up being a total disaster which is what I ultimately think the other three conferences are going to see. They might finish in the sense that they'll still be playing in November, but I don't think that it'll be very successful. I think I'll have like three or four games a week in each conference postponed. I just I don't see a way that a fall season doesn't end in disaster unless you take the Big Ten approach. Yeah, we've already taken or we've already had a bunch of um, postponed games for this week. Yeah, we got two in the Big 12 alone. I think, was there one in the ACC? Am I? Uh, I'm almost certain there was one in the ACC, but I wouldn't be able to name it. But two out of like nine um, team games in the Big 12 being postponed because they're doing the one non-conference game, which between the, between the three of us, I think is kind of meaningless, but you know. Big 12 and Big Yeah, 12. it's the sort of thing where it's like in, in normal football seasons, I would say, okay, these non-conference games are ridiculous and I don't care that much to watch them, but I guess they exist. They're fine, whatever. But now in the middle of a global pandemic, it's like, why are you playing this meaningless non-conference game? We know how it's going to end. Like I was already, like even for BYU Navy, which I don't think on paper is a ridiculous uh, farce of a game. Can I just ended up being a ridiculous farce of a game? I'm I'm sorry. We didn't have a show on Tuesday, so I didn't get a chance to get on this when it was recent. Mm -hmm. The Navy midshipmen, how do you say to yourself, as a coach, as an athletic director, as a a school, uh, I don't know whose decision this ultimately was. 
how do you say it's not safe for our players to tackle in practice at all and then play a football game against BYU? Like, if, if it's not safe to practice, why is it safe to play BYU? And if you can't tackle yeah. in practice, what makes you think you're going to be ready to play against BYU? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a lot of a lot of questionable decisions going on. Like, I mean, I it brought is the this sort up of thing before. where it's like if you're not, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but like if you're not no, comfortable, all good, all good. yeah, if you're not comfortable doing X Y Z in practice, then why are you doing this at all? Like, there are a lot of things where it's like we're clamping things, like e- even internally, it's like good preventative measures, like I. I can't say that doing, like, oh, we're not tackling in practice. It's like, okay, well, why are you practicing at all? And why are you playing games at all? I feel like just those measures are, like, half measures that, I don't know. It it feels like it just points to don't play the games at all, (laughs) especially for unpaid college athletes. Yeah, and, like, well, there's two different things that make the Naval Academy a little bit different than your regular school. One... Uh, sports are like a required part of the curriculum there because they want, you know, all the character traits and, you know, the physical fitness that comes with playing a team sport. So it's sort of viewed as essential. The only reason they canceled in the spring was because no one else was playing. So there was that aspect Mm -hmm. to it. And also they're effectively in a bubble in the sense that they can't leave. Like there are men with guns on towers, like surrounding the perimeter of your campus, which could never fly here. So, like, that's, like, another thing they have is they're basically in bubbles. And they've mentioned this several times, you know, and Army did a great job setting up their game against Middle Tennessee. I I thought that was a great success. I like the cadets being able to get in there, and, you know, they're in a bubble, so it's safer for them to be in the stadium than you or me. Um, But it it just makes no sense because you're in a bubble. It's as safe an environment as you're going to get. Why can't they tackle yeah, especially when it's members of their own team where they're already, like, they're, they're going to be around each other a lot <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, just makes no sense. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, like, the direct cause of why they got absolutely destroyed by BYU, but it definitely couldn't have helped. <laughs> I mean, did you see, uh, Dennis, did you watch that game? Uh, I, I watched clips of it. I did not watch the whole thing. I mean, their tackling was like, I felt like I was watching myself play rugby again. That's how bad it was. (laughs) It was like guys were missing left and right. Someone leapfrogged a cornerback. Like, it was wild. How are you at rugby, Chris? What would you say, Dennis? Uh, Doug? So how are you at rugby? How would you rate your rugby Judging by my comment and the way Navy played, not very good. (laughs) Let's just say there's a reason why I decided to go into radio. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I mean, it It definitely was not at all an impressive game from Navy. <laughs> um, even just judging by the final score and how many, like, large runs ended up uh, just getting past Navy. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. And it's the sort of thing where it's like, th- this kind of stuff does seem like it's just going to happen sometimes where one team is just not prepared for a lot of the... For for playing football and for playing football under these conditions where, like, on paper, this was a very, very slight advantage for BYU. The line was one and a half, and they ended up winning by 52 points. Um, 
Which I have to wonder if that's some sort of record, honestly. Like, a lar- like, I-, I don't know, largest difference from, like, the... What, from the line? I don't know. The I feel like it would three be... three and a half in favor of BYU. Yeah, so and it like, ended up being a 52-point game. 52-3 <laughs> was the final. That's a 46-point, 45-and-a-half-point difference between the two. 50, 55-3 was the final. Yeah, so, so there you go. E- even larger. <laughs> well, do you remember there was that that two hundred twenty-two to zero college football game? So that yeah. might hold the record. I don't know if they but, had a line for that though. Yeah, I don't and know. Honestly, back then if there was knowing a line. if if you had known what was happening in that game, you probably would have called it as just about a two hundred twenty-two to zero game. Um, fun fact: that game only. <laughs> yeah, fun, fun fact: that game only went uh, fifty-five minutes. They they cut really? off the final five minutes. Yeah. Oh my god. It was funny because uh, so I, I I can tell the very brief history of it. Um, John Heisman. Uh, yeah, John Heisman, greatest football coach in all of history. Um, coaching for Georgia Tech against um, Cumberland. Um, earlier that year, uh, Cumberland had played against Georgia Tech in baseball and hired professional like a, an actual professional team. Um, to play undercover as like actual students. Um, and they demolished the Georgia Tech baseball team, which was also coached by John Heisman. And they won 22 to zero and John Heisman was mad. And so when Cumberland said, uh, we don't actually have a football team anymore, so we would rather not play um, against you in football. Um, John Heisman said, if you don't want to play against us, you are going to have to pay us a lot of money, basically to the point where the, the whole school would get shut down. Um, and so they basically, yeah, they basically suited up a bunch of law students um, who had never played football before and threw them in against Georgia Tech, which was probably the best football team in the nation at that point in time. Oh, boy, here um, we go. Yeah, and so, like, if, if you look at the actual numbers from that game, it's kind of ridiculous. Um and John Heisman was just extremely mad. He was running up the score on purpose. He was also mad because a lot of sports journalists had um, been talking like, oh, uh, they've been winning games, but they haven't been winning games by a lot. They haven't been winning games by a lot of points. And so John Heisman wanted to make a point that you could run up the score if he wanted to run up the score. And he had intentionally not been running up the score out of courtesy for his fellow teams. Um but against Cumberland, he was going to run up the score, and so that's how he ended up with uh, two hundred and twenty-two to zero. Now, Dennis, let me ask you: Did you did you read the history of that game, or how, how did you know that? Um, I I I read a biography of John Heisman a long time ago, and there's also a fantastic video on YouTube on by, SB Nation. Uh, John Boys, yeah, yeah, the John Boys video, yeah, that's that's I, the one I'm talking I, about. Because all that information was in my head. Because I've seen that video before too. John Boys is yeah, very good. it's it yes. His, John Boys is his, a genius. Yeah, <laughs> those SB Nation videos are so good. Uh, there's another one. There's like all of them are just like so yeah. interesting. Have you seen his um Scorigami videos with the NFL? Yes, I have seen the Scorigami video. That's, my my I, one of my favorite tweets is um after the first XFL game. I said that's that's XFL Scorigami. Which is very funny because it was the first game, so there That's could funny. not have been a funny. same score. In- interesting. Someone made like a website of the like the score, like an interactive like. Do you remember the chart he showed in the video? Yeah, yeah, the score. I've been to so that someone, website. I actually knew so about the website before I had seen the video. 
Okay, okay. That's that's very cool. On the website I saw, so in the NFL, there's been 70, I believe 73-0-0 games. And then I think it was the most common score was 20-17, to 17, which has happened like 262 times. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's the most common score. But then like all 73 of the 0-0 games happened before the 262 20 to 17 games. So basically like from 1920. That's interesting. Yeah, from like 1920 to 1943, there were 73 0 games in the NFL, like 0-0 ties. And since 1944, there's been 0-0-0 ties. It's not that, it, like, it's definitely cool. Like, it's happened because of rule changes and now there's overtime and whatnot. But then like the 2017 games, there wasn't a single 2017 game until... Uh, 1944, but then since then there's been 262, which is like really cool. Yeah, and then there's the yeah. the 70 to or 73 to zero game, which, 73 uh, zero. Yes. Yeah, which fun fact, uh, they had scored so many times that they just stopped kicking extra points. They just didn't want they, to anymore because they were losing balls, <laughs> right? Because there was no there was no netting, yeah. right? So they were just going. Yeah, to the they just kept losing footballs, and they were like, "All right, we're gonna run out of footballs, so we got to stop kicking extra points." Oh, I think the most... Oh, and then another interesting one on that chart, like the highest scoring game in NFL history, like combined, was like 72 to 41. Very cool. And then the Sounds most pointed... Right. Yeah, the, the most pointed... Didn't the Chiefs play a game last season that was like extremely high scoring? It, it was 2018 um, yeah. against against the Rams, Chiefs-Rams. Yeah, the, was a, the Chiefs-Rams game. It was a it was either a Monday night or Sunday night game, but I remember it was a prime time game, and it was fifty four fifty one. Fifty four fifty one. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was sixty one fifty eight for some reason, but yeah, you're right. So it was a bit less. Yeah, I remember the Giants against the Saints also had like a really high scoring game. Not rec- not recently. I was in I think like I don't know. I, it was like five ish years ago, but the Giants played the Saints, and it was fifty two to forty nine. And uh, I think like Drew Brees had like seven touchdown passes, and then on the Giants side, like Odell had three recept like touchdown receptions, but they lost on like a last second field goal. It was awful. Giants <laughs> yeah, <laughs> losing just... a game like that on a last second field goal is so sad because it's like oh we scored so many points and all that mattered was that one little field goal at the end. Yeah, yeah there was like a punt. Like it was forty nine forty nine, and the Giants like went like three and out, and they had to punt with like ten seconds left. And then on that punt, there was like multiple penalties. There was like an unsportsmanlike conduct and something else. So then the Saints got like an additional thirty yards from where they ended the punt return. And then their kicker came, and I don't remember who their kicker was, but they made the field goal. They won. Sucked. Yeah. 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 Hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, I hate to see it. Yep. I remember something really interesting. Also with NFL scoregami, like in the NFL, it's possible. I didn't know this. The six po- one thing. Yeah, it's possible for a yeah. team to finish with one point, which is weird. How, Chris? Uh, do you know about this? Okay, yeah, you can explain so it if you want. In the NFL, a team can finish with one point. So, when you're going for a two point conversion, if so, like let's say you if you throw like a pass on a two point conversion and it's a pick six, that would count for two. But in the NFL rule book, it states that if there is a like a safety on a two-point conversion, you're awarded one point, which means basically you have to go 
negative 98 yards, and if you get tackled in your own end zone, that would count as one point. And then the other team would get one point. So if you scored a touchdown, the score is 6-0, then you're going for the two-point conversion, your quarterback gets the ball, he runs backwards 98 yards for whatever reason, gets tackled in the end zone, the other team would get one point. And then if there's no other score in that game, the score would be 6-1, to one, which is whack. So yeah. then... There has been, under- like, a... Yeah. A, a one-point safety has happened. Like, it happened in the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago, but that was, like, an offensive one-point safety because it, it, it's yeah. a lot less crazy to imagine the defense, who is basically already starting in the end zone, uh, getting a safety in that end zone compared yeah, the, to the, the other way. end zone that's 98 yards away. Because the college, like, because... That rule with college, where you can get the one point safety that way, is different, right, than the NFL. I think it's the same. I, I think it's the same rule. It's just is it the same? A different side of the field, because oh, that's okay. like in, in that yeah. case, it was just seven to zero at the end of it because the offense had gotten a weird one point safety, which it. it's very strange, and it is still one of my favorite moments in football. Just like watching this moment and being like, "What on earth is happening?" Um, and the very happy referee coming out to explain it <laughs> and explain how actually... Uh, I remember that I want to say it was Oregon. Yeah. It wasn't Oregon, but I want to say it was Oregon. Whoever was going for two there um, actually just ended up getting one point out of that ridiculous play. Um, yeah, I guess like a but, more... Yeah, it is the same rule, yeah. A more realistic way that you could get the 6-1 result is if the quarterback throws a pass, let's say, or there's a fumble. So let's say the quarterback throws a pass that's intercepted. Some sort of turnover. Yeah, some sort of turnover on the two-point try. The defense, let's say they pick it off, they run it back all the way to like the one or the two, like inside the five, and then they fumble. And then the offense then regains control, and then they run backwards again. They run backwards into their own end zone, and then they're tackled. Then that would be the one. So there could be that'd be really cool because then there would be a six-one game. It's interesting, like John Boys like explained in the video. So there can't be a one-nothing game. Can't be a one-one game. Can't be two-one. Can't be three-one. Can't be four-one. Can't be five-one. There can be six-one. Then there can't be seven-one, and then there could be eight-one, nine-one, or ten-one, which is confusing. But if you think about it, so once the game becomes six-one, there's no way for the team with six points to score another one point, which makes the seven-one score impossible. But if the yeah. team with six, if the team with six points scores a safety, then it could be eight-one. So eight-one score could be possible. Uh, it's never happened, but it it could. Yeah, happen. I don't. I, yeah, very little of the the one-point things have ever happened because they're just such I, a ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't know about college football, but I know, I know in Canadian football the rules are like really different, so it's much easier to. To score with one point, I don't know what it, I think. Like if you miss a field goal or something, you get one point. But I know like one point scores, like a team ending with one point is very common in Canadian football. But in the NFL, it's literally never happened. And then I remember like the four points, like this only happened once. There was like one ten four game, like in the nineteen twenties, when a team scored two safeties. Mm-hmm. It's like very interesting. I like the I like the four point score. It's just like yeah, four point is always just so difficult to actually make happen. Um, yeah, it'll never happen in the modern NFL. I I can't see it happening. But I mean, if it does happen, I would like it. I I'm 
It's it would like be very thing. fun. I would very much enjoy it, but it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened in college, because the, the scorigami thing is only... Well, the... I mean, the question very... is whether it was documented, I guess. Oh, that first Rutgers-Princeton game was like 6-4, to four, right? Or what was the score of that? Yeah. 6-4, to four, you're oh. right. Right, but those... That was like very different, because weren't they basically playing... Like rugby, soccer, like the rules yeah. are completely different. So basically, a lot of people don't understand this, but basically, rugby, soccer, and football all came from the same sport. And back in like it was 1869 when they played that game. Back then, it was like basically the same sport. Like the rules kind of mixed around a little bit depending on where you were playing, but by and large, it was a very similar sport. So. What people don't understand is that wasn't just the first college football game. It was the first college soccer game, and it was the first college rugby game. So Rutgers basically started college sports all by themselves. That sounds right to me. <laughs> and you know where they played that game, right? You know where the field was? Yeah, it was like right Col- it's college in like Avenue, the parking right? lot now. Literally, right? we're, same parking lot my car is in right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where they ended up putting it, so... Oh, the, they got to put something the, the, there to like commemorate it, though. There is. They really do. That, Where that commemorates it? It's outside on um, outside the College Avenue gym. There's a sign that says like the first college football game was played here. There is a sign. Like I'm, uh, I've seen it. Before. But like, there should be more. Like there should be like a statue of Greg Shiano saying college football was made here. Like there should be Why a would Greg Shiano be doing shrine and like Hall of Fame and like. There's so many things you can do with it. Honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff for the football team. Like, I mean, obviously around the stadium and the complex. But I do know, like, that plaque is there. Like, I mean, I've walked past. It's like right by the um, right by the bus stop outside, like outside the student center. Um, a little bit to the right. I I mean, you probably don't even notice it because we like walk past it so many times, but. Yeah, that's all the plaque there is, I guess. But I know back then, like, Princeton wasn't called Princeton. They were called, like, the College of New Jersey, no relation to the current TCNJ. It was just, like, interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. And they played, I think, two matchups that season, right? Like, wasn't there another game right afterwards? The other one ended in a tie. So Rutgers was, like, the unofficial national title winner that year. Did we ever do a banner ceremony for that? I feel like we should. (laughs) I yeah, I feel like we should like now. I think that would be fun. Like I, I was my freshman roommate was like on that team, so I could totally just you know get get them together, have a nice big ceremony when we play in the winter, and just you know just go at it. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. Great. It took me a minute on that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you, you you got me there. I'm 154th year senior. Just so everybody knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you he, on he is team? just that committed to learning. <laughs> I invented WRSU. Wow! So he, he did not just invent WRSU. He I, I was here in nineteen like twenty when they like just got up the AM feed and we were blasting it through the dorms. Uh, man, it was wild. You were here when it was um, a telegraph show. Yeah, we were playing all that newfangled jazz music. You know that that, that was the old days. <laughs> And then 85 oh, those years were later, the they good times gave me yeah. I thought I was doing my sportscast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you, did you want to do that one, Chris? 
I mean, the Yankee game got canceled, so like, kind of just waiting for oh. the Chiefs. Well, that's sad. <laughs> what what else? We could for the last what ten minutes of crew, we can talk about whatever else was on your sports cast, just to make sure people remember. Yeah, let's go Yankee to break game and got then canceled. We'll come back. We'll do sad. a nice little rapid fire segment. How's that sound for everybody? That sounds great to me. Awesome. It sounds good. Break now. Welcome back to the WRSU crew. We are winding down on this one. Uh, We will be leaving at eight um but chris has some rapid fire stories for us right before we leave this one so chris take it away all right so looking at a story out of giants practice in east rutherford today so joe judge did something that doesn't really happen very often at the nfl level about 25 minutes into practice he decided he didn't like what he was seeing he thought they were playing awful He unleashed what was described as a, quote, profanity-laced tirade. These are FCC airwaves, so we're not going to get into that. Um, At 25 minutes into practice, stopped everything and started over from the top with professional athletes. Have you guys ever heard of anything like that before? I have not heard of anything like that before. I was going to say, it doesn't sound good for Doug's lock. (laughs) (laughs) I I did see that report. I did see that report, though. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, I I don't think I've heard of this with um, especially this level of professional athletes, because it's not like the Giants are like, like, I, I've heard of it in League of Legends before, but that's five teenagers. Like the Giants are like 52 people. Like, that's a lot. That's a big team. Like, and they have a lot of other crew there. Like, this is a lot of people just start going on a profanity-laden tirade at and uh, cancel or restart the entire practice from the top. Like, that is that that is a lot. That is very intense. And I gotta say, it doesn't say great things about the Giants going into their first game, but maybe this will be better for them in the end. Yeah, I mean, look, the Giants are a team that, you know, everyone's looking for them to sort of turn a corner and take that next step. There's a lot of hype about Daniel Jones. He really worked on his body and improved his uh, athleticism and strength in the offseason. So there's a lot of hype around what this Giants team, I don't want to say hype, but optimism that the team will be better than they were last year. So I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I don't know what to expect from the Giants this year. I mean, I feel like they could take a huge step forward, but they could also just, you know, end up the same way they are. I mean, that's been the story of the New York Jets for the last few years. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I mean, I just, it's been rough for the Giants and Jets the last few years. I mean, you know, new coach coming in now for the Giants. Hopefully they'll be changed, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, I feel like we're wasting Saquon Barkley's like best years only because we already know the careers of running backs are short and he's a generational talent. Shouldn't have drafted him second overall. 
Yeah, I mean, that probably would have been smarter to get a quarterback there just because I know I, I agree with you. But they, they, they took him, and now, you know, just got to go forth with it. I mean, he's great, but he's wasting his great years on a losing team. It's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Switching over to the other football team in New York, we got about three minutes to go through this one. Uh, former New York Jets wide receiver Josh Bellamy, who was released – on Tuesday has just been charged for his role in a $24 million scheme to receive illegal loans intended for coronavirus relief. Now it doesn't really get into too much detail. Basically he was trying to get the him and whoever he was working with was trying to get these loans from that were meant for small businesses to help them get through the pandemic and was using it to do some stuff they weren't supposed to be used for. So I don't know. Like, I didn't think Josh Bellamy was a great, great wide receiver, but I figured he'd at least be better than this. I don't know. This kind of just came out of left field. Yeah, it's probably uh, smart of them to uh, release him then. (laughs) Good foresight on that. But here's the interesting thing about it, though. Uh, When they released him on Tuesday, they had no idea he was about to be charged with this. So they dodged a Uh, bullet really well there. Which doesn't normally yeah, happen for the Jets. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. That's some psychic vision for them. Maybe they are uh, on the upswing this year. I will try to get your hopes up as much as possible, Chris. Got to build me up just, to break me down. Ju- just to make it so much more fun when they end up going like six and ten. Fun for who? Uh, me, me. It, it will be more fun for me. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this is surprising though. Um. I mean that's a, that is a pretty large scheme to be involved with. Uh, ah, just twenty-four million dollars, no big deal. Yeah, I mean personally, he received a lot of money there. Um, like it, it's a million dollars. That's pretty. That's pretty substantial for us. Um, for for our, our level of people. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. That's <laughs> he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was pretty unfortunate. Um, that does it for me here for Rapid Fire. So, Dennis, you want to sign us off? All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in to the WRSU crew. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's up next. But thank you for uh, listening to the WRSU crew. Keep it locked to WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. We will be back tomorrow at 4 for more WRSU crew. I won't, but that's when we've got crew tomorrow. And then back on Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8. Keep it locked. Thank you.